Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. In our text today, Isaiah is trying to get the people of God bought into this truth. You ready? That there is coming a promised Messiah, a promised Son. And the truth is, He will be the Savior of the world. That it won't always be like it is for them in the context of Isaiah 8 and 9. That it won't always be this way in their darkest of nights. Hey, you know what's amazing about Christmas? Is that this season can come, become about a lot of different things, can it? My prayer is that our look over the past few weeks and this morning at the hope and the light and the promise of Christmas will focus your heart and my heart on the joy that is Christmas. And hear me, the joy of Christmas is Jesus. Today, we find what this child, this child to be born here in Scripture, this Christmas child, what he has to offer to everyone who but believes in him. In Isaiah chapter 9, I love this, you ready? In verse 6, it says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Remember this in the context of our passage today. In Isaiah's time, the people of God found themselves under the pending doom of the Assyrian invasion and captivity. It was promised by God. And by finding themselves in this predicament here simply because of their, their sin and their rebellion against God. That we find that during this time, as you read the text, that they were gripped by political turmoil, that they were overwhelmed by uncertainty, that they were meandering in their trust in God, and they were unable to hope in the future because they were weighted down by their present reality. And both their souls and their nation state that they lived in were enveloped by war. What could this promised child offer them at a time such as this in Scripture? How would the events of Christmas make any difference in in anyone's life? Well, let's turn to the Word of God here in Isaiah. And let's continue to see what he says about this child that is to be born. Watch this. He says this, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, now church, hear me. In all of the quotations from the Old Testament about the coming Messiah, one of the most often overlooked statements is this right here. And the government shall be on his shoulders. You know, I think about our own country today. I think about political turmoil that we are living in. And in such a climate, you know what I'm, I'm grateful for and I'm reminded of? Of this one political reality. Our God reigns. That Our God reigns. The Bible says this about this promised king, this promised son, that the government will be on his shoulders. You see, it was customary for the king to adorn a a kingly robe. And on the shoulder of such a robe, there lied an insignia, a symbol of his kingdom and his authority. And so what Isaiah is doing here is he is introducing us to a son that is to be born, who is the king, and upon his shoulder, the very symbol of his kingdom and authority, the very government will rest. 
we are reminded that that is exactly where all governments and all leaders reside, on the shoulder of King Jesus, under his kingdom, under his authority. And one day, physically, Jesus, the Bible teaches us, will rule over all governments here on earth. This son to be born, in fact, is a king. Now, let me tell you some things about this king. You ready? Let me tell you some things about this government official that we are introduced here in Isaiah chapter 9. You ready? He will never be overpowered, overtaken, or overwhelmed. You will never find him in peril, impeded, or impeached. No enemy can defeat him. The devil cannot touch him. And death cannot hold him. He is the king and his kingdom will reign forever. And by the way, by faith, you and I are sons and daughters of this king. Don't let the imagery of this season of a baby lying in a manger take your eyes off of the truth that this son, this son born in Bethlehem is the conqueror. He is the victor. And he is the king. I love this description of the promised son in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 that we see in Revelation chapter 19. Let's take a look at this together. Are you ready? In Revelation chapter 19, as all the end times are unfolding, it says this, John says, I saw in heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called the faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword to which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treats the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You ready, church? No matter the political turmoil, praise God, it won't be the Democrats or the Republicans that will rule forever, but it'll be Jesus. For the people in Isaiah's day, it would not be the Assyrians forever, rather the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus. You know, I had this thought. If this son, if this promised king, if this Jesus can hold the governments of the world on his shoulders, Don't you think that we can trust him to hold our hearts and our lives in his hands? He shall carry on his shoulders the government itself. Now, I want us to transition because Isaiah goes on to further describe this king. And it says this, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, I want to let you guys know something. My shoes are untied. And so I want to let you, I'm going to be safe up here, okay? I, I would bend down and tie my shoes right now, but I might pass out, okay? And that's just an ugly scene for everybody. But I'm aware I'm going to be okay. See some couple of people pointing down at my shoes. I know they're untied. There's nothing I can do about it. It's a lost cause. I need Velcro shoes. Anyway, here we go. You ready? The Bible says this, and he will be called wonderful counselor. For the people of God in the day of Isaiah, they were de- devastated by terrible kings who were godless, foolish, and who were cowardice. 
The promised son, the promised king, would be called Wonderful Counselor, full of both wisdom and strength. You know what's amazing? Christmas is the most wonderful time of year. But for a lot of people, it isn't. For many people, this time of year, it hurts for various reasons. And you know what? It's a reminder to me that we are all broken and in need of the wonderful counselor. We all need counsel. Some of you wives out there are like, I've been telling my husband he's need counseling for years, right? Now, don't be ugly, right? We all need the wonderful counselor. Hey, do you know even math books need counseling? Did you know that? Why did the math book go to counseling? It was full of problems, right? Terrible corny joke, I know. It's full of problems. You know, the truth of all of this is all of us are full of problems. And we need desperately a wonderful counselor. The name wonderful means this, exceptional or distinguished or a supernatural counselor. It is the nearest word the Hebrew language has to the idea of supernatural. The word counselor is not some weak persona. It means to advise, to give purpose, to devise, and to plan. It refers to this child's role as the leader and guiding force of one's life. Now I love it. It says this. Isaiah said, and he shall be called wonderful counselor. Note, this is not the description given to our own hearts. We live in a culture that elevates one's heart above all else. A guide of all guides to behavior. Jeremiah reminds us this in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. That the heart is deceitful above all all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The phrase, follow your heart, is biblically devastating. And the word of God warns against it. You know what, church? When our hearts are broken, when our feelings are all over the place, and our way forward is uncertain, trust not your heart. Trust in the wonderful Counselor whose name is Jesus. Trust his spirit in us. Trust his word to us. And trust in the grace given us. I love this quote. You ready? Jesus isn't for the little engine that can, but for the train wreck that can't. But for the train wreck who can't. And at the point of we can't, we come to realize that our wonderful counselor can. Hey, can I ask you something, church? Is he your wonderful counselor? Isaiah goes on and says this, he is mighty God. The question fresh on the minds of the people of God in the day of Isaiah is this, could anyone be mightier than the Assyrian Empire? Could anyone be greater? The answer is yes, and Isaiah proves it, that it is God himself. Well, the question for us today, is anyone mightier than our enemies? Is anyone greater than our enemy? And the answer that we find even in the day of Isaiah is yes, God in the flesh, Jesus is mightier. But the question becomes really, how mighty is Jesus? 
We see him on Christmas morn as a baby in a manger. How much might does he bring to the table? Well, I'm reminded in the New Testament that we see over 37 recorded miracles performed in the Gospels. Here's what we find. You ready? Blind men seeing. Deaf men hearing, mute men speaking, a sick lady's healing, a sinful thief's forgiving, a demon-possessed boy's freeing, and dead men walking. Miracles, feats, only deliverable by a mighty God that we see in the flesh, in the gospel accounts. I'm reminded of the Apostle, the Apostle John and what he says in his parting verse in his gospel. He says this in John 21, 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Hey, church, you ready? That is might. That is might. I think that Jesus' might is also most clearly seen in the events that are captured here in this passage as Paul writes to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You ready? Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, his crucifixion in Jerusalem, his resurrection from the grave is the most powerful, is the mightiest acts in all of creation and in all of history. You see, Christmas is the celebration of our mighty God whose modest birth made all the difference in the world to everyone who but believes. He is our wonderful counselor. Hey, but church family, this Christmas, is he your mighty God? Mightier than all other things in your life. Isaiah goes on to describe this son, this king to be born, and he says this about him. He is our everlasting father. You know what translation I like better of this and how we could also translate this? That he is our forever father. That he is your and my forever father. Imagine the people of God in the day of Isaiah. Imagine the questions that they would have. With the Assyrians invasion and captivity pending? Had their heavenly father abandoned them? Was he just their father for a moment in the good times? Well, Isaiah would remind them through this phase that he was their heavenly father for all times through faith. I love these couple of passages of scripture. In Isaiah 40, 28, Isaiah refers to God as this, as everlasting God. Note this, you ready? The characteristic of everlasting is only attributed in scripture to God. Jesus would say in John chapter 10, verse 30, that I and the Father are one. Thus, this son to be born, this promised king, Jesus himself, is the everlasting father. I love how we develop this thought. And Adrian Rogers would speak to it, this thought, this concept. Well, listen to his words, you ready? Everything that God is, Jesus is. Everything that God has, Jesus has. Everything that God does, 
Jesus does. Jesus is fully God. He is not part God and part man. He's not all God and no man. He's not all man and no God. He is the God man. And he says this, there has never ever been anything like Jesus in all of history. You ready for the fatherless out there? You are fatherless no more. In Jesus Christ, you have a forever father. For those whose earthly fathers might have left, I know a forever father who will never leave you, who will never forsake you. For those that are missing your earthly fathers on this Christmas, your forever father's presence can and will comfort you. Jesus is our everlasting Father, our forever Father, as well as our wonderful Counselor and our mighty God. The question this morning, is He your everlasting Father today? Isaiah caps off these descriptions with this. He will be called our Prince of peace. You know, it's interesting to note that all the names ascribed to this promised son, this promised king in Isaiah chapter 9 are all names and descriptions of God himself. So hear me, church, you ready? This elevates Jesus as more than just a religious leader. It means that Jesus far exceeds the definition of just a prophet. He exudes more authority than just a moral leader. And history cannot deny his impact and his effectiveness. The impact and the effectiveness of his life and ministry. He's our Prince of Peace. There are three relationships in which you and I are invited to pursue peace and enjoy peace in. You ready? Number one, peace with God through Christ. Number two, peace with our own souls in Christ. Number three, and peace with other people as far as it depends on us for Christ. You know, the the promise, the presence of the Prince of Peace is not a promise that in this world we will not have trouble, heartache, or strife. But in the midst of such things, we have the presence of peace because of Jesus. The Prince of Peace lives in us through faith. I love Jesus' words here in John 16, 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome this world. He is our wonderful counselor. Our mighty God. Our everlasting Father. And our Prince of Peace. You know what that reminds me? In all those things, Jesus is enough. He's all I ever need. He's all that you ever need. He's enough, but but church, on this day, is he your wonderful counselor? Is he your mighty God? Is he your everlasting father? Is he your prince of peace? 
I love reading short stories, and uh, I know I'm weird. I came across a story called The Christmas Wrapping Paper. And it's a story of a very poor family who in just the few dollars they had remaining in their household, um, they had bought some golden wrapping paper for Christmas time. Now the father, as most fathers are when wives buy things, was not very happy about the purchase, noting their poverty, but there it was, their golden Christmas wrapping paper. Well, Christmas Eve was fast approaching. In fact, the day had come. It was Christmas Eve. And the father had noticed that the gold wrapping paper was gone. And as he began to search his home with a frantic disposition, he had realized that the wrapping paper was in possession of his little girl. And she had cut the wrapping paper all up. In fact, she'd taken a shoebox and she had covered it with this golden wrapping paper. And the father was furious. And we don't have much, but now we don't even have wrapping paper that we can wrap any gifts for at Christmas time. He was just, just mad. In fact, he, he scolded his daughter and he punished her and sent her to bed. Well, the next morning was Christmas. And as he sat around the tree in the main room of his home, here comes his little girl with a shoebox wrapped in gold wrapping paper. And it was a gift she had given for her dad. And man, I don't know, dads, if you've ever been here, but man, he was just crushed to the heart. And he took the gift and he unwrapped it. And he opened the box and the box was empty. In his frustration, again, he said, not only, not only did you use a wrapping paper, but when you give a a gift at Christmas. He got to put something in the box. He just got frustrated again. His little girl began to tear up. And she said, but daddy, the, the box isn't empty. You see, I kept blowing kisses in the box until it was full. And I wanted to give it to you for Christmas. And of course, he broke down and he hugged her. And he apologized for the way he had acted not long after that Christmas, his little girl, the story goes, had passed away in a tragic accident. And all the rest of the days of his life, this daddy kept by his bedside a little shoebox wrapped in gold wrapping paper. And every time he got to missing his little girl, every time he felt alone, or he was discouraged, he would open up the little box where his daughter blew so many kisses in. And he'd be comforted. You know, I thought of what God did for us in passages like Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. That, he, that wrapped up in Jesus is the very kiss of God for all humanity that can fill any heart and any life. A reminder of this, you ready? That he is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and our prince of peace. And you know what? I, I can't imagine anything under any tree anywhere that can top what you and I have by faith in Jesus. 
So churches, we have just this moment. We'll have a Christmas Eve service, but in this moment, I wonder if we couldn't just thank you. By unwrapping the gift he's given us in Jesus, I stop putting that gift away in our life. And we can celebrate that he is our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him, you're here this morning and your life has never been changed by him, I'm going to tell you something. He is all that and more. He is all that and more. Wrapped up in this present given 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin in a manger, lived a sinless life, died upon a cross where it was my sin, my shame, my guilt and yours that nailed him there who ultimately would be buried and on the third day would rise again so that by defeating death, hell and the grave, you and I may have life in him. I tell you what, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace is able and willing to save you today. Would you let him? Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.